Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. Today we'll be talking about bully coaches and what they can do to the psyche of a high school player, no matter how talented that player is. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. You can also check out our NBA-focused podcasts, including Knuck If You Buck, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Oh, don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Granjinski and today we are talking to the head girls varsity basketball coach at Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina, Robbie White. Coach White, thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. Uh, Dave, I appreciate you allowing me to come on. Looking forward to talking some ball today. So Coach White just finished his second season as head coach which ended with Cleveland High School's first winning record in the past five years. And prior to coming to Cleveland, Coach White was the head coach of the JV girls team at Cary High School, where he helped lead their program to the 4A regional finals in 2019 and was awarded the NCHSAA Moe's Hometown Hero Award in May of 2018. Now you've also won a couple of high school league championships with the Wake County Basketball Association, but Coach White, my first question for you is how were you able to turn Cleveland High School's girls program around so quickly? Well, I appreciate you asking me that question, Dave. You know, uh, in some facets, we're still a work in progress in terms that we still got some steps that we want to grow and we always call that uh, being a champion on the court so there's a couple things we want to take a step up to in terms of that but I'm very proud of the work we've done these past couple seasons and really uh, for coming in for me was just trying to instill a competitive mindset in our girls you know I took over here we were four and 20 the year I took over and uh, you know we grew that first year and finished 10 and 15 and you know, we were able to finish the end of the season strong this year and achieve that first winning record and hope to, you know, grow in these next few seasons off of that and having that kind of positivity going into next year, I think can be really key for us moving forward. Well, and I think a big part of your success is what we are going to focus our conversation on today. So coach reached out to me. He emailed the show at Courtside Culture podcast at gmail.com and he brought up a great topic he says he starts working on his team's culture in the off season and so I thought that's a great idea I like let's talk about that I don't you know I I had never even thought about working on the team culture in the off season especially when you're taking over a new program and you want to start right away so coach what are some of the things you know looking back on that first year especially what are some of the things that you started doing right away in the offseason to build team culture uh, you know some of the big things you know first thing I always mention is you know developing that competitive mindset and you know a lot of the times especially when you take over a program that has of course struggled and you know a lot of the situations you'll walk into as a you know first year head coach in scenarios is going to be somewhere that hasn't had a high level of success so that's always the biggest thing and you know um, 
over time, I developed an off-season program where we emphasize competition and we have a, a point system essentially over the off-season that deals with a wide variety of different things um, that we compete over. Uh, you know, it starts in the classroom for us. And, you know, of course, being uh, that student athlete is a key essential uh, for any player at almost any level uh, in terms of those things. So, uh, we focus on that in terms of that. We focus on several other things. And, you know, we want our girls to not only be uh, obviously competing against, you know, others, you know, once we get into the season, but, you know, we want to teach them to compete against themselves and have some intrinsic motivation and uh, learn some of the qualities of that and pushing yourself and trying to achieve the highest level that you can possible. So walk me through the point system and how it works, you know, what, how can the girls earn points and, you know, what are some of the rewards? Uh, can you kind of break it down for us? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course, like I said, the first thing we emphasize is being a champion of the classroom. You know, that's one of our champions of the three C's, you know, classroom, then community is that middle one. And then being a champion on the court, we take those in order. Uh, so the first thing is academics. We point a put, put a point system up for that. Uh, so students earn uh, two points for every A they're making in a class, one point for every B, no points for any C's, and then minus one point for D's and minus two for F's. And, you know, that's where we want to be. We want our student, uh, our student athletes to be at an A and B level. Uh, we're pushing them to be in that situation. So uh, typically, you know, I just uh, just did a grade check at the end of our third quarter, which just ended last week, and usually try to do it maybe twice every week uh, and check those things out and add those points in as we go and give the girls updates on those things. Uh, other things, especially in the offseason we're tracking, is I'm a big uh, believer in, uh, you know, our players playing outside sports as well. So uh, I'll give five points for if a girl is playing a fall or a spring sport, obviously uh, our season's all kinds of crazy right now with what happened with the coronavirus so uh, we're giving those out and then once we get workouts going girls can achieve one point for attending every workout and that's one thing uh, that I really want to emphasize because obviously in our scenario as high school coaches we can't make it where it's a mandatory thing but you know providing some type of incentive where you know that might be that extra motivation for that kid well you know I'm kind of sore today I don't know if I really want to go well my teammate might earn that point over me if I don't uh, we do some things in terms of competing during our workout. So we have all kinds of different competitions. And I think it's really important, especially in the off season, uh, to institute different ways to compete. It doesn't just have to be basketball specific stuff. Uh, we've played dodgeball before. We played four square. Uh, we have some girls that play soccer. So we'll go out and mess around and play soccer sometimes. Uh, you know, races, you know, relay races, things like that. Just things to watch your kids compete, especially when it was my first year in the program. It was to learn, you know, what kind of kids you have that it's naturally kind of a competitive thing. It's noticeable. And which kids you maybe need to get a little bit of give them that extra push to get that higher level of competition going. So those are really good things, I think that I get to see even before we get in game-like or scrimmage-like environments. Of course, we emphasize that last uh, champion of three seasons, the community piece. And so any community service things, we give three points for that. Um, so, you know, kids getting involved in their church, kids getting involved, you know, with different community centers. You know, I have one, I have one kid this past year, she just graduated, who was really um, – instrumental in the YMCA nearby and so uh, she would make posts and we'd share that out on our social media in terms of what she was doing there had one girl who was a referee in youth games so you know we just love showcasing those things and showcasing to our next generation of basketballers hey look here's what we want to be showcasing you for uh, and just little things as well that will award points for you know coming to team meetings or checking in on team meetings if you can't make it signing up for our remind messages for communication twitter follows instagram follows uh, you know if there is a discipline piece of things and you know we do take points off for that but uh, the last component is really our lifting you know and i really am a big emphasizer on that a little bit of it comes from you know i coached a little bit of football before but you know, I think that's a big thing in the offseason is, you know, try and get in the best physical shape possible. Uh, so we implement a point system in the weight room as well uh, in terms of how our kids are increasing through their max outs and progressing through that. Uh, and the really good thing I like about uh, our system that we have in place is it's progressive where it's not something where the kids just get satisfied like, oh, I've achieved this. There's always that next opportunity that you can continue to grow and continue to earn points through that. So that's a big part of it. 
So before we get to what the girls can earn, what they what they can win, the rewards, I want to ask you this. So how do they prove to you? Because I, I can imagine that you can't be everywhere all the time. How do they prove to you? Do you, do you? Do they have like paperwork that they turn in? How do you keep track of everything? So, I mean, it's been a lot different, obviously, this year, especially the academics portion of thing. Usually I put it on them. Uh, so when we're out of season, I'll give them an academic report and they're supposed to return it every two weeks. And if you don't, you lose that opportunity to achieve any points. And um, so this year it's definitely been more on me. So I've been the one monitoring it more than they have in terms of those things, uh, in terms of, um, you know, modern, you know, if they're doing well in class, usually what I do in the early fall, like once we come back to school, like August, I'll send out a list of kids. Hey, here's our kids that have been coming to workouts. Uh, please let me know how they're doing in terms of things. And, you know, we have some really good teachers here at Cleveland who, uh, I'll always get like five or six messages back saying, you know, these kids are doing really well in my class, and especially in the online learning environment. It's really good to know those certain things because you'll hear about some of your kids that are definitely taking um, a little bit, you know, being those champions in the classroom and taking that extra step and said, hey, they're really doing a good job interacting. And I tell you, as a teacher uh, as well, you know, it's, it makes me uh, makes me smile because uh, most of the time I'm looking at about 25 other icons standing back at me, no other images and things like that. So it's nice to hear them participating in that way uh, and doing those certain things. So Nice. And, and so – what are the, some of the, the rewards that they can earn at the end of this? Yeah, so the couple things that, you know, um, I got started in terms of this and was trying to think about, you know, what are things that, you know, my players uh, really, you know, they really care about. But we as coaches, you know, it doesn't – I mean, it still matters to us, but it doesn't fully matter as much as it does to our players. So uh, first and foremost, uh, whoever ends up at the end of our offseason program having the most points will get the first selection of their jersey number and their lockers. And, you know, this is something that's a big deal for your kids in terms of things. And, you know, our, our kids take it very, very – uh, you know, they get very competitive in terms of it, in terms of uh, trying to achieve this, and especially kids who have been in the program for a little bit. Uh, they're like, well, I definitely want to keep my number. So it's just something that gives a good incentive, you know, where you obviously can't have anything mandatory, but, you know, it's something that they're able to compete after, and it's something that they, in the end, really care about. So you haven't experienced any you know, animosity among the players by doing this? Yeah, I I have not uh, I have not got any backlash in terms of things. You know that would be something that you know as it would come up. You know I would definitely um, you know be a first in terms of uh, that. You know they understand the expectations, and I make sure to try to make them clear uh, at the beginning in terms of how this is going to work and how this plays out. And I especially emphasize to the people we have returning that. You know, uh, we always emphasize two things, of course, that, you know, every new season is a new season. You know, I always tell them that, uh, you know, I don't have a set roster or anything like that. You know, we have 10 to 12 spots open on our varsity team. It's available to anybody. And I include that in terms of, you know, that is part of our roster. Everything is open. So, you know, if you want to push and achieve that. And, you know, we do have some times, like I have some returners that say, you know, uh, coach, do you think that anybody would take my number? I said, I would be somebody who would not leave that up to chance because, you know, this is our program and this is the way that we're going to do things. And, you know, we want to build that competition going into the season. And, you know, when we get into the season, we want our practices to be like that too. You know, we want to love each other when we get in the games. We want to have each other's back fully. But, you know, we want to develop that level of competition where, you know, our practices are just as tough as the game or sometimes tougher than when we get into a game-like situation. So then, you know, all of this actually pulls the girls together. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way um, to stimulate putting your kids in a competitive environment and seeing how they respond because, like I said, We'll do all time types of different competitions uh, when we do have workouts. Like almost every workout, I finish it with some competition-based competition thing, whether it's basketball-specific or different than that. Um, and so we have all kinds of different girls working together. We want to make sure that when we put them in a co competitive environment, that they're able to work off of each other, that they trust that person beside them. Um, and, you know, 
there is something that there is there instead of just that, you know, thrill of winning, you know, there is some incentive there of what you're going to get if you win. So, you know, it does put them in a little bit of a strenuous environment every time. Is it super strenuous? Probably not. But, you know, it is something that we're able to push them to and say, hey, winner of this gets the point. And, you know, it does give that extra little bit of an incentive and a little bit of that extra competition value. Outside of the point system, are you doing anything to build team culture that's, you know, maybe, like I said, not, you know, not part of the point system, but fun? Yeah, you know, we missed a few of those things, obviously, this year with how restricted things were with the virus. But, you know, some of the things I try to do to bring our team together and our girls together in terms of things is uh, at the start of every season, essentially, I have the kids write a paper. I call it, you know, why do you love basketball? And they answer two questions, essentially, in that is number one, you know, what makes you love the game? You know, a lot of the times kids will write in there about, you know, who got them started in the game. Uh, and then the second question is, what does it mean to you to be on this team? And, you know, talk, they'll talk about community. They'll talk about people that have come before them and things like that. Uh, us as coaches will look at those once they turn those in. And then right before our first game, uh, we'll highlight certain pieces uh, and have the girls come up and read that. Uh, and then we add that in. Um, there's been something that I've had since I was a coach at Cary. Uh, we call it our lunchbox. Uh, I'll just be honest, I took it from uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech football has a lunchbox that they take to all kinds of all their different away games. And if they win, they essentially take a piece of grass and put it in there. And so what we do with those papers is, you know, once you've read it to your teammates, you fold it up. You stick it in. We have a toolbox. Stick in that toolbox. We'll do some other things in terms of the season, like small questions, like what do you think is the number one key for success? What's the thing you're most worried about in that season? And fold those up and put it in the box. And then whoever is the player of the game, uh, I'll give it to the first girl. And then whoever wins it the first one will give it to the next player. They get the box, and they're the only ones who get to read what's inside the box. So, you know, we build up some things that way. Uh, before the virus, we uh, – we do team meals. I'm sure a lot of coaches do this, but, you know, um, talking with our girls after the season, that's something that they said they missed the most. Uh, and it's just funny to me a little bit because uh, last year when we were going all the road games, they're like, coach, we're so, so tired of going to Subway. And it was so funny. A couple of girls this year, they went to Subway before every single game. So um, it was just interesting to kind of see that play out and see some of the things that they really actually missed. Uh, and then the last thing we do is we do what's called a Little Rams Clinic, is we'll bring in girls from second grade all the way up until eighth grade uh, and bring them in. And that day I turn it over to our kids to be able to run their own drills. I think that's a great connector for them uh, to see where they were and then they get to pair up with somebody and work together. So I think those are really the things that draw together. I think things of getting your kids just off the court and building that camaraderie together is such a big piece of things and something that kids talk about so much even outside of just basketball itself. Well, what intrigued me when you first told me about this is it's that combination of the competitive point system with the off the court fun things that you do and it all meshes together to create that buy-in. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's a big piece of things. Um, you know, my first year I was here, we actually had two girls that went together and did the uh, community service portion of things. Uh, they worked at a food pantry for a day, and it was just so much fun talking to them about their experience and what they took out of that and, you know, them just enjoying each other's company and, you know, benefiting the community in terms of things. And I was, you know, obviously really, really proud of that factor. And, you know, I think that, you know, would be the next level of things is, you know, now you're working with your teammate to try to achieve points as well. And so that was a really special thing that, honestly, I hadn't even thought about as far out as out. So it was really cool to see them kind of take that next step. And, you know, I think it leaves some openings. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I'm always adding things like this year, we added a leadership council where you can earn points. And so it's always something where, you know, if I see something that I've heard, I really like that this coach has done that, you know, possibly add that in for whatever it might be. Um, and so it's always something that can be built upon. It just depends on what you want your kids to value in your program. And I think, that institutes it really early on, and um, and I'm I like what we have so far. So you mentioned you 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 got the toolbox idea from Virginia Tech, but where did you? How did you develop the point system and your off uh, season program? Where did the, where did that come from? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always try to rack my brain on like where the one specific place was. Um, you know, really the idea in terms of things got started. Um, my first high school uh, coaching job uh, was at Cary High School and I actually was hired to coach football. And then that built off of the uh, with girls basketball. I'd been coaching with Wake County basketball before then. But uh, when we stepped into that program, um, unfortunately, I haven't been anywhere where you step in that has had a high level of success. We had been 0-11 before that. And one of the things that the head coach and I talked about was, you know, we really need to, you know, rebuild the competitive mindset of a lot of these kids. And, you know, that just kind of started racking my brain on ways that we could do that over the summer before leaving into the season. And, you know, I said, let's develop some type of competition system that involves all the things we're going to try and do. And, you know, I definitely know the first thing was, you know, attending workouts. We started with that and then lifting. Uh, and then, like I said, you know, when I got into basketball, I just started trying to build off of these things. And, you know, I got the title when I was coaching football at Cary. That was the competitions coordinator because I tried to come up with all these things. But we would do – we had competition teams my second year. Uh, we started making making it really big in terms of things. And, you know, it was really fun to watch the kids buy into it. And, you know, you really see the evolution of uh, kids stepping up to be leaders in those different ways. Um, when you start splitting off your own team into smaller teams, you know, we talk about that all the time in terms of education and, you know, even out in marketing and things like that, you know, when you split off into smaller groups and that allows more people to have a larger voice. So uh, I think that's an effective part of what happens in those situations. So, you know, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is, you know, as I talk to coaches, you, you hear all these great ideas uh, that coaches have. And yes, we are on the Hoopheads podcast network and it is a basketball centric podcast. But a lot of these ideas that we hear are really transferable from sport to sport. Have you shared your ideas? I mean, you brought it from football to, to girls basketball. Or have you talked to some of your other coach friends and maybe shared the idea with them and have they taken to it? Uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, I try to spread the word anytime I hear a situation that I think could uh, present itself in that way. And, you know, I have a, a really close teaching friend here who's the JV head football coach. And, you know, we've had a conversation about it and we were just sitting down, just casually talking sports. Uh, and, you know, he essentially said, oh, man, I got to see that. And, um, you know, he's like, can you send that to me? And he's even started building off his own perspectives in terms of those things. Uh, I know my, my guys back at Cary still utilized it in some way uh, after I had left there and after I had stopped coaching football. So, uh, you know, I definitely think it's something that can be transferable in any way uh, just because, like I said, you can make and set up, uh, you know, whatever you want your program to be built off of and whatever, because it's definitely not – uh, really, the things that we consider and take points for are not sports specific in any way, um, but they definitely have uh, a competitive background to each one of them. So, you know, I, I see it as a way that can be utilized in a wide variety of sports to help build and incentivize your kids in the offseason. Well, Coach, I also give you credit for recognizing right away what you thought your team needed, which was they needed to learn how to compete. Just because the record, you know, the record wasn't wasn't quite what everybody, you know, would hope it would be every year, you know, and you recognize that, and you come in and you say, we need to kind of create a, a a competitive culture out of the gate, but you're doing it in in a fun way, and then you're able to take that in the off season and transfer it over to the court. Yeah, you know, I uh, I definitely think that's a big backer of you know, my perspective and why I wanted to do it, because I think it gives, you know, kids an opportunity to, you know, enjoy coming to workouts outside of just increasing their basketball skills and, you know, gives them a little bit of that positive reinforcement in terms of, yeah, you are earning something by being here. It's not just, all right, we're continuing to try to get prepared for the season. Your reward is down the road. Your reward is down the road that you have some level of achievement each and every time you arrive and you're on and you got to come prepared too is the other thing, you know, um, that's my big incentive. And that was my big calling card from the second I was here is, you know, uh, we're no longer just like, you can't just show up and that technically be good enough. We want you to show up with the mindset of, you know, I'm a grow, I'm going to try to get 1% better. And, 
uh, that was really something I emphasized this year in terms of things is, you know, at the start of practices every day, uh, I would ask two kids, how are you going to help the team get better today? And then I would ask two other kids, how are you going to help yourself get better today? And at the end of the day, you know, I would ask another player, uh, do you think that, you know, player A uh, did what they said that they were going to do, either for themselves or the team? And so, you know, that not only gave a little bit of accountability uh, on, you know, other players on the team to be trying to recognize, you know, is my teammate achieving those things that they wanted to do for themselves or to help the team get better? Well, and the other thing I think that this – makes it easier for you is the communication, right? The communication lines start right away as soon as the season ends and you get into your off-season program. There are, it sounds to me like you have so many extra opportunities not, you know, to communicate not only to the team but to the girls individually as well. Yeah, I mean, that's such a huge thing is, you know, of course, one of the big things that you always want to make sure to define for your players is, you know, uh, their role, especially at the start of a season. But then, you know, when you get into the off season, like one of our big conversations, we just finished up our evaluations last week in terms of player evaluations is where do we want to see you by next year? You know, what are our expectations going forward for you? And, you know, if you want to step into a new role that you might not have achieved this year, but are looking for next year, here are the things you have to do um, so that they know. And so before they even get to the tryout phase next year, they already know what your expectations are for them. And I think those are things that you can really uh, give your kids great foresight into because, you know, uh, I always tell my kids, I had a conversation with one of my kids at the end of this year is, you know, we as coaches, you know, we're not only concentrating on, you know, obviously the game right in front of us is what we tell our kids all the time. Uh, but, you know, we're also looking ahead. And for me, you know, sometimes, especially when we get towards the end of the season, it's, you know, what is going to be our next step going into next year? And, you know, I think I really caught one of my kids off guard with that fact that, hey, look, we already have a plan going forward with this. And here's where we're going to need you to be at at that point. And so, you know, I think that is something uh, that's really big is to kind of, you know, instill that mindset, especially when you get in the off season. That was definitely a specialized conversation with her because you don't want your kids thinking too far ahead of your next opponent. Uh, but, you know, that's something I think is really important going forward with your program. I want to get your thoughts on this. I, I, to me, I don't think there is such a thing, especially you know, with, with kids, the high school kids. I don't think there is such a thing as too much communication. I, I think, you know, or even too much information, to be honest. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that communication is key. And, um, you know, I, I toe kind of the fine line. You know, I definitely communicate with our parents, but I definitely communicate with the kids the most because I want them to grow in that facet of things the most um, because really, you know, once they, you know, leave high school for the vast, vast majority of them and hopefully your expectation for your kids is that they're going off into an independent environment next, you know, uh, whether that is, you know, going into, uh, you know, wherever college they're either going to play at or go to for academics or, you know, they're stepping out into some type of workforce environment. So, you know, I have a big inst instilling on both you know, me making sure that they know the expectations, but then at the same time, you know, that they communicate as well. And I have a high level on that, you know, in terms of, you know, making sure that you're being on time for things. And if something happens, have that level of communication, because that's what the next level in terms of their life is going to be is, you know, people are going to expect you to be a quality communicator on things to be able to achieve whatever your next steps are, whatever your next goals in life are. Well, and one of the things that, you know, when I was coaching my son coming through the ranks, you know, when he was little, like, I, I'm very big on, like, specific information. Like, not just telling a kid, okay, look, we've got two point guards, you know, who who are in front of you that, you're, you you know, you may you may not get as much time at point guard. So we, we, we want to see a shooting guard. But, but I would lay out the exact specific role, like, this is what we need you to do. You're going to get on the floor. You know, we're, we're going to you're, you're going to get 10 to 12 minutes 
We're, we're going to need you to knock down some threes. We're going to need you to, you know, ramp up the defense on the other end, create some turnovers, you know, maybe get to the line a few times. Like, like I, I really like to lay out as much information as I can to, to me. And I don't know, I mean, right or wrong, that's the way I, you know, I would try to do it with the kids because to me, it would lay out like all of that, the expectations and, you know, what they need to work on and, you know, their role on the team. And, and then, you know, I think it helps create buy-in. Do you have some of those conversations with, with the girls yourself or even, you know, uh, as you were, you know, coming through the ranks coaching, were you having those kind of conversations with the kids? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so key to try to get done before uh, your season even starts. So, you know, um, throughout our, you know, like I mentioned, uh, off season, you know, as soon as our off season ends, we have our player evaluation meetings. And I always kick off the conversation with letting our kids talk first and, I always ask them these couple questions is, you know, how do you think the season went for you personally? And then how do you think the season went for the team? And, you know, one thing I was really, really impressed with our kids uh, when they came to these meetings, it wasn't like it's they had to like jog their memory and think about it. They had already thought about these things and came in with, you know, a clear cut thought process on those two questions. And, you know, you know, some of them were really honest, like, I think I could have done better. You know, I think I could play at a higher level and, you know, those are things as coaches we want to hear. You know, we want you to, you know, not be a satisfied position in terms of where you are unless, you know, you've won a state championship or you were player of the year or whatever. But, you know, we want you to be growing and try to take in those next steps. And so, you know, we'll have those conversations. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll have some kids that, you know, I'll say, hey, I'm not really, you know, clear on what position you want to play. Uh, and, you know, we'll have that conversation. I'll say, hey, where do you feel more comfortable in terms of positions? And whatever they say, I'll say, you know, here's where we might need you to fill in the team. Sometimes those things match up. And then I'll always, especially when they say, here's where I want to be. Well, here's are the things you need to be at by next year. And then right at the end of our trial process, I uh, always have our conversation about what role uh, we expect you to play on the team. And essentially it's an agreement, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer. I'm not a big believer in terms of just like posting a list uh, in terms of who made the team. I'm a big believer in bringing each kid in and having a conversation with them. And, you know, um, sometimes those are tough conversations in terms of, you know, if you're not going to keep a kid. But, you know, I think that's some way that you can allow them to have some perspective because, you know, the first question that any parent is going to ask in terms of things is what could my child have done uh, to make the team next year? And those are the things that we want to make sure to communicate with them right away so that they have that understanding, have that growth. But we also have to have those kind of tough conversations with kids that might not get a ton of playing time. And we want to be able to set that straight and be honest with our kids at the very start of the season. And I know one of the tough conversations I had to have my first year uh, is we had a kid who was a great tennis player, um, was always one of the hardest workers, but just didn't have a huge uh, basketball skill set in terms of things. And so had to have that upfront conversation. We had a high quality of guards at same position she would have played. And, you know, it was – uh, you know, honestly, I don't know how much you're going to get to play, but I hope you show up to practice every single day with a growth mindset. We want you to compete against those people, and I want you to essentially prove me wrong. Prove me wrong in terms of you being prepared at every single second to step into the game and be a quality contributor. And so I think that those roles, whether it is your best player or all the way down to the last person on the bench, I think those things need to be expected and uh, set forward because even your best player, you know, you have expectations of them. Maybe it's a leadership expectation. Maybe it's a example-based expectation, but you want to set those things clear so the kids know what you want out of them. Well, and, but to me, the critical part of all that is how specific the information is. It's not vague where, you know, the, the kid's guessing about something, you know, it's, it's not saying, you know, even to the tennis player, Hey, yeah, you'll be on the team. And leaving it at that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's that, it's that to me, it's just, it's like setting a smart goal, right? It's a specific goal. It's a specific measurable goal. And so to me, that's critical. I, I, I you know, that's just the way I feel about it. And I, and it's refreshing to hear you say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if there's anything from a coaching wise, I've never been blamed of being an over communicator in any way. 
but that is definitely something that I want to achieve because, you know, I think it's only fair to your kids to give them as much information possible because we have so many expectations of them that we want them to have a little bit of clarity of mind and have a clear cut expectation at what we're looking at from them. And then you carve out those roles and you, it adds to the team culture and everybody's buying in. It, it all works together. Yeah, no, I think that's such a huge one. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, one thing that we talk about, though, is, you know, we don't want you especially. And we had to have a conversation this season about it a little bit. You know, we had a tough loss to a team that we had beat first. And, you know, I thought that some of our kids that weren't getting as much playing time were becoming a little bit too complacent in their role, whether it was uh, as being one of those starters or it was one of those kids who wasn't getting a ton of playing time. And, you know, that's where I had to get back on our little bit of our comp, I'll call it our competition soapbox and talk about how important it is and, you know, how you should be striving and be working for that next step up in terms of things and creating that additional competition in practice. So uh, I think it's something that needs to be emphasized in that way. You mentioned parents a few minutes ago. How have they, especially when you took over the first year, were the parents on board with the point system in the off season and you know building a culture that way? Yeah, I I, I really didn't get a, a ton of feedback um, in terms of issues with the point system. I was very clear with our players about it. I do think early on they were a little bit like overwhelmed or a little bit surprised. Really, they're like, "Nah, Coach White isn't going to be watching all these things." But then. Uh, when I threw it up after the first month, I said, all right, here's where everybody uh, stands in terms of things. And uh, there were definitely some big eyes in terms of, oh, wow. Uh, so that's how it's going to work in terms of things. And, you know, I was very uh, communicative, uh, very much so communicating out to our parents about, hey, here's how these things work. Here's how we're going to track this. Here's essentially like the deadline of when we're going to stop that uh, in terms of things. And, you know, uh, some of them are kind of like transferable looking in terms of from school into how exactly this was going to work in this way. So, you know, I, I, I definitely appreciate that uh, the buy-in was there in terms of that. But um, it was something that both the kids and the parents got on board with. And think I help, I think it really helped us uh, early on be able to, to develop that level of competition going into the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you talk buy-in, you, you know, you, you got to have the buy-in from the parents as well. Yeah, no, I think that's an essential role because uh, you definitely want, you know, we as coaches, we only see them for maybe two hours at a time. Uh, and then, you know, especially in this environment right now, um, you know, they, they were home all the rest of the time, except for the very few that were actually coming on campus. So you want that verbiage that's coming from home uh, to be very similar to yours and, uh, in terms of what you're saying. So uh, that is such a huge one in getting that parent support. And I've been very fortunate at Cleveland to have that high level of that here. Well, and as, as successful as you have been, do you feel like your style changes a little bit every year since from, you know, back when you first started? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, uh, I, uh, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely younger in the younger demographic in terms of head coaches. Uh, and I definitely know... I'm pretty outspoken. You know, I'm definitely very passionate in terms of things. Uh, but, you know, I think the biggest changeover for me uh, was, you know, switching from coaching, you know, guys to girls, you know, in terms of things. And uh, it was really, really noticeable. Uh, so my first year I did it was actually my first year uh, student teaching when I was at Cary as I coached football and then obviously jumped directly into coaching JV girls basketball, uh, you know, and I had to stop myself a couple times and say, you know, I can't exactly say that that way, or I have to rephrase it in terms of the way that I'm thinking about it in terms of things. And, you know, some of it would be, you know, when I was at football practice, you know, I would just jump all over a kid. And, you know, when I got into the girls basketball scene, you know, I'm like, I know I can't do that in terms of that way. And some of it was, you know, all right, here's the reason why we're doing this and having that clear cut communication, you know, not calling somebody out in front of everybody in terms of those specific things. And so, you know, I think that that was a big part of something that was, um, you know, a big growth step for me uh, in terms of, you know, what I want to do moving forward uh, with my career was, you know, exactly how am I going to articulate my message in this way and make sure that that was a clear cut understanding instead of just being loud and brash and trying to get that point across. Now, I definitely still have my moments why I am that way. Uh, I'm definitely not the most soft spoken person in terms of things, but you know, I definitely think I 
have done a much better job moving forward on pulling that kid to the side, especially if I see, um, and, you know, one of the big things and what was tough this year is, you know, I'm such a body language person and a reader of body language that it was a little bit tougher this year without being able to see facial expressions and things like that. But, you know, watching when the kid's shoulders go down or, you know, head in terms of those things and, you know, pulling them to the side and, you know, letting them know that, hey, you know, we support you. You know, we still love you. You're going to make that next play. Let's make it happen. Is it any easier coaching boys versus girls or harder? Are there, what would you say is the biggest difference? Uh, I think the biggest thing and what really drew me to the girls game is, uh, you know, they have such a high level of appreciation for certain things that you do for them and they really value the coaching that you're giving them. And, um, you know, not to say that the boys game doesn't have that at all, but, you know, I just found that such a key piece uh, that the girls game had and, you know, um, they're able to, you know, take such big steps of growth in terms of their level of game and uh, their commitment to the game. And, you know, I, I just really uh, always respect and appreciate um, that they're always willing to try whatever it is that you are trying to uh, get them to do in terms of things. And, you know, you know, being a guy, we do have a little bit of an ego in terms of things when we step in. And, you know, sometimes we kind of brush that off like, oh, I'm too big for that in terms of, you know, I know how to, you know, execute, you know, a reverse pivot or whatever it is. You know, I've seen somebody do that. Whereas, you know, step into the girls game, it's always like, all right, I'm going to step up. I'm going to try to do this first and we'll go from there. So that's something I've always appreciated about it. And, you know, I really think that, um, you know, watching uh, them in terms of team camaraderie um, is a lot of fun as well. Uh, and, you know, just some of the things that they do off the court, like one of the things that made me really proud this season is obviously we had, you know, a really hard time doing a lot of things off the court with, you know, the virus and some of the restrictions in terms of that. And they really took the initiative upon themselves at the end of the season to find some ways to bond in different ways than what we usually do off the court. And so I thought that was really special uh, that they were willing to step up in that way. Well, we're going to have some fun here in a moment, but. If there's a coach out there who's hearing this and is interested in your point system and your off-season program and how you developed it, how could they get a hold of you so they can build their own? Yeah, so we got a couple of different uh, social media aspects of things that you can reach out to us. We have an Instagram page. It's at Cleveland NCWBB. And then also our Twitter uh, same thing, so at Cleveland NCWBB, or please feel free to email me. Uh, it's Robbie White, Robbie White, R B B Y, uh, at johnston.k12.nc.us. And, you know, I know that email is forever, and this my Wake County one a little bit. That was nice and short and sweet, but uh, feel free to reach out to us in any of those ways. We'll be glad to uh, give you a little bit more insight into what we're doing to try to build a little bit of a off-season competitive environment uh, in a non-mandatory world. Look, you're talking to the guy with the last name Grinjinski, so don't talk to me about short and sweet, all right? <laughs> hey, so so you're down there in Clayton, North Carolina, and you gave me an idea, you know, before, before we did this podcast. Something I want to, I'm going to start doing now, and I'm going to call it What's the Coolest? I mean, because to me, one of the coolest things to do would be go, like, watch a game at Cameron. You're down there, you know, near, not too far from, from Tobacco Road. So you, you, you got to tell me, what's the coolest place you ever watched or a game or played a game or coached a game what's the coolest place yeah so you know i'm a little biased in terms of things so i got my undergrad and my master's from from nc state north carolina state uh my parents were both nc state people so uh, reynolds coliseum the old barn will always be special uh, in terms of things for me, but, you know, they moved to the PNC arena, the big one uh, off campus, you know, when I was only about five, six years old. So uh, honestly, probably one of the coolest games was the uh, NIT game state played a couple of years back. And that place was rocking and so loud uh, in terms of things. And, you know, being a state fan, that was always really, really special. I have stepped my foot inside of the Dean Smith Center, um, I will say. So when I was uh, in high school, uh, we played state championship uh, at the Smith Center, uh, which was pretty cool in terms of things. And for coaching-wise, probably the coolest place I have coached, um, there's a place, uh, Fayetteville State has a place, it's a Crown Coliseum, um, and it was just really cool. So that was where we played the uh, 4A 
uh, regional finals. And right behind the basket, they have this big glass window. And that's where our principals were sitting up there. Uh, the North Carolina High School Athletic uh, Directors were sitting up there, our athletic director. And it was just really cool setup in terms of things. Um, the first time I'd really been there. So uh, it's really cool. You know, obviously the ones that get the most attention, you know, uh, Smith Center, you know, uh, Cameron Indoor. I have been there once, uh, went there with the team for Cary to see Duke and UNC's girls play there. Uh, and then Reynolds, but we just have such a plethora of basketball in North Carolina that there's so many small schools that have some really cool aspects to them too. That's awesome, and you know, and and you were telling me before that you were such, you know, you were so such a diehard North Carolina State fan. There's some dogs in the family with with some famous names, right? So we got we actually have a few uh, uh, cats when I was growing up uh, that were all named after NC State people. So. Uh, that's kind of the background with my folks going to NC State, and my sister actually went to NC State too. So, um, you know, we uh, growing up, we had some, you know, NC State named cats. The first one we had in the family was Archie Miller, uh, now the former coach at Indiana. He was a big time player for NC State, and Anthony Grundy played at State, passed away a few years ago. Uh, we had a Julius Hodge for a time period. So, uh, Sydney Lowe, who's coached at State. So that's always been something that's been a part of our family uh, up at my parents' house, up in the playroom. There's all kinds of pictures of us with state people, Chris Corciani, Phil Rivers. So uh, it's definitely been something, you know, I definitely uh, uh, bleed red, but uh, got some Cleveland High School blue in me now. And it's interesting that I ended up here because uh, Cleveland High School is actually the Rams and are white and blue colored. So uh, you know, that was kind of interesting why I showed up here, had to uh, take that one in a little bit. And so last year when I had my first opportunity to design jerseys, we went with the white one for the home. Uh, but I could not quite go with the Carolina blue for away. So we <laughs> so, so we did some black jerseys for the away ones, but they turned out pretty cool too. So Well, the other thing I was surprised, there's no Lorenzo on the list of pets you know, or Wittenberg. Like, What's going on there? Yeah, yeah, we got to have a deep conversation with the folks. My my dad was there as a freshman in 83, so I don't know how those two got left out in terms of things. And, you know, I definitely think that uh, Wit or Zoe as cat names would be great. But, you know, I, uh, I'm i just sticking with just me for right now and enjoying the bachelor life a little bit. And so um, maybe down the line we'll uh, start picking up on the family legacy here. Yeah, that, that that was such a great game. Now, Coach, before we let you go, the last thing we do on the culture uh, Courtside Culture Podcast is we do a list of firsts. So we call it First Things Last, okay? And so here we go. I'm going to fire at you in rapid uh, fire succession, uh, a list of firsts. And so, Coach, what was your first job? Oh, man, first job was straight out of eighth grade in middle school. The summer after my eighth grade year, I worked as a uh, bagger um, and cart bringer in her. That was really my expertise was going out in the middle of July when it was 110 degrees and bringing in about 20 carts at a time at Kroger. Um, And, um, you know, I just remember, you know, especially when it was hot as it was bringing in those 20 carts and then sneaking off for two to three minutes and hanging out in the freezer for a while to cool back down. So, uh, yep, Bagger at Kroger was the first one. Well, Kroger has a soft spot in my heart. My dad was a produce manager for Kroger for over 20 years. So if you're going to have a first job anywhere, I approve of that one. Hey, what about your first car? <laughs> uh, first car was a white Mercedes SEL 420, I think it was. It was my dad's dad's car. Uh, it was a really cool first car to have. It was it was older than I was. It was like a 1991, 92. Worked fantastic for me. And then when I went off to college and my sister got it, I think it uh, kind of kicked out on her maybe the first or second year she drove it. So, unfortunately, that's kind of the uh, background story for her hand-me-down car experience. But I definitely enjoyed it as my first car. It definitely had some sentimental value to it as well. Yeah, that's a good first sweet. That's a nice ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Out of the gate. What's What about first uh, CD or cassette that you bought? Oh, man. So um, the very first kind of um, thing that I can definitely remember having was the iPod Shuffle. It was one that didn't have a face on it, so you didn't know what song was coming up. It was really cool because it had a little clip on the side of it. And so when I'd be warming up for games, man, I think I'd be all cool. I would clip that to the side of my shorts and have the music going in terms of that. Uh, So first, uh, I guess, musical device was the iPod Shuffle. 
<laughs> That's awesome. What about first concert? Do you remember that one? Oh, man. First concert was um, was Earth, Wind, and Fire in Chicago with the parents, and uh, it's definitely music that I continue to enjoy. I think it's some good music to get some work done to, um, and I just have always enjoyed it. It's definitely something that the parents instilled in me with those two bands. So Earth, I, Wind, I, and Fire. I, in I was not expecting that, Coach. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely. That definitely puts me uh, in probably in the younger age demographic in terms of enjoying them, but uh, still enjoy listening to some of that every once in a while. Do you remember the first movie you saw in a movie theater? I definitely remember going to Blockbuster and getting movies first, you know, back when that was the big thing. So I do date back just far enough where Blockbuster before Netflix became a big thing. And I remember getting Netflix DVDs in the mail back when that was a thing. Um, but I think probably the first one in the movie theaters, and this is a you know big bond that my dad and I have together, was seeing James Bond, and I'm pretty sure it was a Die Another Day, the last uh, Pierce Bronson before Daniel Craig became James Bond. So I'll, a final answer on Die Another Day. Nice first celebrity crush. Oh man, uh, it was probably it was probably um, either Britney Spears or Carrie Underwood. And Carrie Underwood won't be replaced in terms of that. You know, anytime she's singing the intro music for Sunday Night Football, I'm in early to check that piece out. <laughs> You're like, that's all you watch, and then you yeah. peace out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even care about the game. <laughs> nope, just that part. <laughs> Wait, do you remember your first cell phone? Oh, uh, it was, it might be still my favorite uh, cell phone. It was a, a Motorola Black Razor. Uh, it had the big flip part to it, and uh, that was before I got email all on my phone. So uh, that one might be still first place because I don't have to check email all the time. That's awesome. Okay, and then this is this is the last one for you, Coach. And this is present day. What is the first app that you check every morning when you get up? Uh, and it might, it might depend a little bit on the timing in terms of it, uh, but probably it will either be uh, messages or Instagram, one of the two, just depending on when it is. That's, uh, hey, you know, that's the first time we've heard that answer. It's, I, that's why I like doing this is that the answers vary so much. It's so great. And then it, there's always a couple of surprises in there, you know, like I would have never thought you went to Chicago. <laughs> you know? I, I, I never saw that coming. But coach, it it has been so great talking to you. I'm so glad you reached out and emailed uh, me at uh on the show's email, you know, to talk about your point system in the off season and building that culture, you know, once one season ends, you know, really the next season begins. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, Dave, I really appreciate you having me and, you know, glad to talk about some of the things we're trying to do here at Cleveland High School and, you know, really looking forward to moving into next year. Awesome. And so if you know a great coach who's out there doing great things, winning games, building a great team culture at the same time, I want to hear about it. We may even ask them to be a future guest on the podcast. You can reach out to me on Twitter at CourtsidePod1 and on Facebook and Instagram at Courtside Culture Podcast. Remember, build up the strengths in your players, find them all a roll, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. And remember, build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.